wearing my I Love Striving hoodie, you know, and uh, as I was wearing the hoodie, several people came up to me and said, I love your shirt. So, okay. What they love about my shirt? I didn't get a chance to give them the five-minute elevator speech that, you know, the S4P stands for Striving for Perfection Ministry, you know, and there's a reason I got this. I love striving. I didn't get a chance saying, they just say, I love your shirt. So that made me wonder, what did they like about my shirt? I don't believe it was the fact that it said, I love on it, because I see maps will say, I love Texas, I love Florida, I love everything. Then the Spirit said to me, it's the word striving. Wow. So that made me do some research, say, well, let me see what is said about this word striving as far as a definition goes. And keep in mind now, I'm in a mountain with people who are avid mountain climbers and hikers. You know, and I, oh, they got the picture. Do I look like I'm an avid climber? <laughs> you know, my kids brought me some boots to play the part. But you see that mountain behind me? There were some folks scaling that thing. And some folks were walking up those trails. And again, now I'm saying, why I love your shirt? Then when I looked at this definition, I found out why. See, to strive means to devote Serious energy, somebody say serious energy, or great effort, somebody say great effort, to achieve or, 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 or to obtain something, to exert oneself vigorously. They thought I was a mountain climber. They thought that I really love striving up mountains. They thought that I was that guy that really looked forward with vigor and vitality to climb that mountain, not knowing that I really didn't want to. I really didn't want to be there. But then when I saw that definition, I said, that's why they like my shirt. It wasn't before the church, they liked that word striving, because most of those guys knew, and ladies knew, that in order to climb those mountains, it takes effort. It takes energy. You just can't do it in your mind and don't want to do it physically. And you got to put forth that effort in order to achieve something that's difficult. And so they thought, that, hey, this guy is putting forth a lot of effort to walk up this trail. It was about a mile and a half. It did take some effort. But I didn't deserve the credit for that. My son-in-law deserved the credit for striving that day because when the baby decided he wasn't going to walk no more, somebody had to carry that little heavy rascal. And it wasn't going to be the guy with the striving on the shirt. <laughs> it was going to be his daddy who had to strive up that mountain and strive back down that mountain carrying his son. So strive also means to be, to try very hard to do something or to make something happen, especially for a long time or against great difficulties. The other definition for strive is this, to struggle in opposition, to compete, battle, or fight in any intense conflict or endeavor to strive. And so again, after those people acknowledging my shirt, it made me say there must be a spiritual connection to striving that God would have his people to strive for certain things in the church. In other words, certain things that we ought to be putting forth effort. We ought to be exerting energy. We ought to be diligently doing certain things. So I say, just let me do a spiritual look for a minute at the word strive. So our first stop was in Acts 24, Acts chapter 24, verse 14 through 16. Here we see the apostle Paul in defense of, of himself before Felix the governor. And Paul had been falsely accused of sedition and being the ringleader of this sect called the Nazarenes, you know, or the way. Before Christians were called Christians, they were either called Nazarenes or those who are of the 
way. And these people were creating a lot of turmoil in the Judaism during that time. And so Paul was on trial and he was being accused of being a ringleader of that group. And one of the things that he said, let me know that we need to love striving for. And he said, we ought to love striving to keep a clean conscience before God and man. A clean conscience before God and man. Let me get there. Just, you just get the Bible and wait, work with me. So he says, now, striving here is not necessarily talking about our church, but he put forth the effort and the energy to strive to do right and to have a clean conscience before God and man. And see, what you got to see out of this is that we have to strive to keep a clean conscience so that our conscience will not convict us. And every now and then, when your conscience convicts you, that's a good thing. Because it's trying to get you to clean up some things in your heart and in your mind and in your life. So therefore, he's letting us know that, hey, as Christians, as believers, we got to diligently put forth the effort to have a clean conscience before God and man. In other words, I want my conscience to acquit me when someone come against me with an allegation. These people were accusing Paul of all types of things, but he says, I want my conscience to be clear with God and with, with man. As believers, I challenge you today, strive to have a clean conscience. Don't let your conscience convict you of things that you're doing or saying that don't line up with the word of God. Paul said it this way. He says, look, and I'm in verse 14. He says, but this I confess to you, according to the way which they call a sect. So I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things that are written in the law and the prophets. Paul said, they're accusing me of some things that I'm not guilty of. Even though they accuse me of being a part of this group called a sect, uh, the way, or the Nazarenes, I want you to know I'm not introducing a new God to the equation. I'm not bringing a new God on the scene. I am seeing, I am only worshiping the God that our fathers worship. And I also understand the laws and the prophets. And this is what he says. In first verse 15 says, I have this hope in God which they also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead. And that's what I need to stop by to ask you today. Do you believe that there's going to be a resurrection of the dead? He says a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the... So that means that the righteous is going to be raised and the unrighteous is going to be raised and everybody's going to have to stand before God and give them a account. And so Paul said, look, this is the hope that I have, and I have this expectation that one day that we're going to all have to stand and give an account. And then he said, now because they're accusing me, this being so, I myself always strive. Somebody say, always strive. You know, they tell us not to use absolutes, but the Bible says always strive. He says, I always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. So, so I'm asking you today, do you have a conscience that want to be without offense when it comes to God and man? It's one thing to have a conscience that convicts you when you're violating God's law, but it's another thing when your conscience convicts you when you're doing things in accordance to man's law. When we're not doing things right. And so he's saying, look, every now and then, your conscience ought to put you on trial. And when your conscience puts you on trial, you ought to be, be able to believe that your conscience is going to acquit you of the crimes that somebody's trying to bring against you. 
And, and sometimes you got to understand that, that we all need to have a conscious interrupt every now and then where our conscience convict us of some things that we may be doing that's not consistent with the word of God. We got to be willing to be put on trial. Let your mind put you on. Let your mind put you on trial. Let your mind put you on trial. And if your mind puts you on trial and does not convict you, it's a good possibility you're in good standing with God and man. Y'all better hear me today. It's a good possibility that if your mind don't convict you and your heart don't convict you, you're in good standing with God and man. And that ought to be our prayer. God, I want to be found in good standing when it comes to my conscience. God, I love striving to have a clean conscience. See, a lot of times when your conscience is not clean, you're not going to have peace in your life. You're not going to have peace of mind. So that's why it's so important to strive to have a clean conscience. So that when you look in the mirror, you can feel good about what you see because you know that your conscience is clean. Your, your conscience has not convicted you of some things that you've done or said. But if it has convicted you, it is not the time to deny what your spirit and your conscience are saying to you. It is time for you to strive to say, Lord, I want to make sure that my conscience is clean. And if it has convicted me of some things that I've done or some things that I've said, then I need to go and get it right. I need to make things right because I want to have peace of mind. And when I can have peace of mind, then God can use me in a more magnificent way because my thoughts line up with his thoughts. And then he knows that my heart has not gotten a callous over it. See, sometimes we can get a callous over our heart and our mind and our soul and our spirit. And when a callous come over that heart and soul and mind and spirit, we are no longer sensitive to the conviction that God is trying to reveal to us. So what I try to tell you today is that you want to strive to have a clean conscience. Yeah. You know, I just ask you right now, just take a pause, close your eyes for a moment with me. And just let your mind talk to you. Let your mind speak to you right now. And as your mind speaking to you right now, I guarantee if you open to what it is saying and what it is revealing, you'll see that there may be some things in your life that you're guilty of. If someone was to accuse you of this, that, or the other, whatever your mind is revealing to you, would you be able to say not? guilty because my conscience did not convict me. Man, that's an awesome task to, to wake up every day and say, I want to live in a way so that my conscience don't convict me. It's one thing when folk find out about it. It's already too late when folk find out about it. You got to be sensitive when you talking to you. Y'all better hear me. You got to be sensitive when you are talking to you. When your conscious mind is talking to you, you're going to have to be sensitive to what it's saying, and then you're going to have to take the necessary action so that you can continue to strive to have a clean conscience. Amen? Somebody say, I want a clean conscience. I want a clean conscience. In other words, I want my conscience to acquit me of everything that someone can say about me. Man, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good place to be in when you can say, let anybody come and say whatever they want to say. I believe my conscience is going to acquit me of all the charges that have been brought against me. Man, Paul struggled. He, he wore with and he, and he always desired. He put forth the effort to make sure that he had a clean conscience. So from this day forth, I suggest to you that you put forth that same level of energy and effort striving to have a clean conscience. Amen. Striving to have a clean conscience. A conscience that has been set free of all the guilt and the, sin, and the sins that will come against us. A conscience that is free to worship God in spirit and in truth. A conscience that is free to give God all the praise and the honor and the glory. We ought to be striving to have a clean, clean conscience. Amen. 
And our conscience can be clean, you know, when we're doing things contrary to the word of God. So therefore, as we grow and as we learn and as we mature in the things of God, we got to be led by our spirit-filled conscience, our mind that is in tune with the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us, then we can always strive to be just like Paul. Say, I want to be set in a position where that my conscience is clean. My conscience is clean. No matter who come against me, my conscience is You know, they accused Paul of doing something. Yes, he did teach the truth of God's word. But he didn't teach that truth to condemn people. He taught that truth to get them saved. And so therefore, he makes no apology for preaching the word. But he said that I want to make sure they understand, Major, that I'm not preaching this word in a way that's going to cause you to be offended and be offended by what I'm doing and cause you to sin. I'm preaching in a way, way that don't glorify God. As Christians, we got to live in a way in everything that we do to strive to have a clean conscience, but at the same time, live to glorify God. And in doing that, I believe our conscience will be acquitted. Amen? Amen. Now, now let's look at my second. Now, go to Romans. Romans chapter... No, chapter 15. You close. Romans chapter 15. Now, this one is something that that really convicted me on here. And I want you to see that as Paul was writing this letter to the church in Rome, he was revealing to them his plans to visit them. Yes, sir. Oh, till you find Romans 15? Okay. Oh, it's on the screen. If you can't find it on your phone, they got it on the screen behind me. Okay, yeah, okay. So, now he was revealing to them that he had plans to visit them. And, and, but he first needed to go to Jerusalem to take the benevolent offering that he had taken up for the saints who were struggling in the city. And from this passage, I want you to see, and I want to impress upon your spirit, that we must strive or love striving together in united prayer. We must love striving together in united prayer. We must love striving together in united prayer. It means, united prayer means that we must love praying for one another, coming alongside one another in prayer, praying in a spirit of unity, in a spirit of oneness for a particular cause. Now get this. Paul was feeling that once he went to Jerusalem, there was a good possibility that he could be persecuted. He could be beaten. And so what he was doing, he was letting the churches know, look, as I get ready to go there, I want you guys to come alongside me in prayer. Prayer is a ministry where you can always support somebody else in ministry. Amen. Prayer is a ministry where we, if we pray for one another and come alongside one another in times of need or suffering or whatever, we got to learn that that's important to God. It's an important weapon that we as the church need to use. Now let me give you my little confession here. When I read this passage, I started thinking about our prayers on my, in, in the mornings and evening. And, and I said to myself, when I get on that line, am I really coming alongside of Adrian as she's praying and prophesying and believing the healing of people? Or am, am I with that with, with, with Rob and, and Fabian when they sound like they're preaching and praying at the same time? Or, or when I'm listening to Tanya and Kim pray and they sound like they're biblical theologians, the way they line their prayers up. And I said to myself, I am really not striving alongside them as they pray. I'm being entertained by them. And sometimes I don't stop doing what I'm doing while they're praying. In other words, if I'm in the kitchen fixing some dinner, they're praying, I'm still fixing my dinner. But the Spirit convicted me and say they are on the line striving together with whoever's on that prayer list. And I need to come alongside them and strive right along with them. And I said to myself, if I'm going to get on the line, at least I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to strive along with them. 
I may not get on there every night or every morning, but when I get on there, it's not going to be just mute the TV and then start cooking. It's going to be mute the TV and lock in and say, whatever they're praying for, I'm coming alongside them and praying for the same thing. Because we ought to strive together in united prayer. Now look at this. Striving together in united prayer. He said, now look. Now I beg you, brethren, and I'm in Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of his spirit, through Jesus and the love that, the love that we have for his spirit, that you strive together with me in prayer to God. He said, now look. Adrian, I'm not just asking you to pray for me. I'm begging you. You know, I got a bad doctor report somebody could be telling you. And I ain't just asking you to pray for me. I'm begging you to pray for me. And there are many people on that prayer list who got some bad doctor's report. And when we take the time to get on that line, they shouldn't have to beg us to come alongside them in, in united prayer. So I challenge you today, if you're going to get on the line, don't get on to be entertained. Get on to come alongside and strive with one another as we pray in unity for those people that's on the list. I'm not discouraging you from getting on. If you want to get on, get on. But if you're going to get on, don't get on to be entertained. And if you don't get on, that's okay. If you only get on one day a week, one morning, however often you get on, I just want you to get on with the attitude and the mindset that I'm going to strive together with whoever's praying. Because people's lives are in the balance that we are praying for. And for us to get on there and have this lackadaisical attitude, not willing to put forth the energy and the effort that it takes to go up that mountain, if you are not going to do that, then you don't need to consider yourself as a striving prayer warrior. Amen. And so therefore he said, now look, the thing I want you to do, brother, I beg you, through the love of Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayer to God for me. Paul said, look, I'm going through. I'm headed to a place where there's the potential for me to be killed when I get there. And let, guess what? Brother Wilson, I don't need you to be daydreaming when you should be praying for my safety. I don't need for you to be nodding off and going to sleep when you're supposed to be praying for my deliverance. I don't need for you praying for my health. I don't need for you to be eating your dinner and praying at the same I need for you to be striving along aside me or striving along aside the person who's doing the praying and believing that God will hear and answer your united, united prayer. We're not just going through the motion. We're just believing that God is going to deliver. Look what he says here in verse 31. He says, now this is what I want you to pray for, that I may be delivered from those in Jerusalem or Judea who do not believe. And that they, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. In other words, deliver me from my enemies. And at the same time, let the offering that I'm taking to them be acceptable to the saints. Paul was very specific. He said, look, I want you to pray for my deliverance, man. I, I, I don't want to go there and get killed. I don't, I don't want to go there and get tortured. I want you to pray for my deliverance. Now, a lot of people who have asked us to pray for them, that they be delivered from this or delivered from that, do we really come alongside them and pray for their deliverance? And that my service for Jerusalem be acceptable to the saints. Then he says, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. In other words, after you get through praying for my safety there, pray also that I get a chance to come see you. And that when I come to see you, I want to find myself in a position that, hey, what I've done in Jerusalem has been accepted by God. And then by my coming to you, now I can come and be refreshed around other saints. And so I just want to just say this to you. We've been praying now for over a year and a half, ever since COVID started. Sister Gwen started that. Sister Adrian has kind of taken it over along with a team of people and it's gone from just a morning prayer to a morning and evening prayer. And I just want to challenge some of you who are online today, those of you here today, some of you all need to come alongside us and strive 
in prayer. Before you need prayer. Before you get your report. You need to come alongside someone else while your life is okay and everything is going well. You need to sacrifice just 15 minutes in the morning or 15 minutes in the evening just to be online to strive. You know, just to listen to Wayne pray the house down sometimes. Man, I mean, Wayne just get on there sometimes nights and he just pray that thing down. Rob and Faith get on there, man. I feel like I'm listening to a sermon and all that together. I mean, Roma Thea get on the line and just, man, just sounds so eloquent. People can do this thing, but they need us to strive along. Is 15 minutes asking too much? What you do for another, the same will be done for you. So if you find yourself in a need of prayer, you got to believe that because you have prayed for others, someone's going to come alongside you and pray for you. So I challenge you today. Love striving together in united prayer. Striving together in united prayer. So that's what that shirt is representing. I love striving. Now, I, want, I didn't love striving up and down the mountain. But when it comes to the things of God and the things of ministry, I love those. I, I love those. And if I had done an avid mountain climb, I probably would have enjoyed that experience to the utmost because it was beautiful. It was there. But I wasn't that I looked the part, but I definitely couldn't play the part. They had me looking good. I looked. That's why the priest said, he looked like he ready to climb up some mountain. And my feet was hurting halfway out. I said, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and, so, and so what my point is, is that I realized that we can't take this word striving lightly. It means you got to exert some things. You got to put forth effort. You got to be, you know, use vigor when you're going to be striving to do some things. So the next thing, the last point I want to make. Go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And so from this, I want you to see that we got to love striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, this word striving here is equated to that third definition the most because now this is talking about we got to love striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's talking about coming together and struggling and working together as a team or fighting together as a team for the gospel. See, what you got to understand is that you're going to have to defend what you believe. And when you get ready to defend what you believe, then we're going to have to come together in defense of this gospel. See, because right now in the times that we're living in, not just under COVID, but you know, there's a, there's a move where people are going around trying to deconstruct the gospel, trying to deconstruct the faith. Trying to, trying, to, trying to turn other peoples away from Jesus all because they've had a bad experience somewhere or now they got a new revelation as they think. They're going around trying to deconstruct what we know to be the truth of God's word. And when we find that, we got to be willing to come together as a team to struggle and to fight against anything that come against the gospel. Amen. See, every member of the church is to strive together for the faith of the gospel. In other words, we must exert all the energy and effort possible so that nothing will defame Jesus. So that nothing will come against this gospel and cause people to believe that this word is a lie. And in order for that to happen, we got to have members and believers who know how to struggle when it comes to the... Who know how to fight. When it comes to the gospel. See, sometimes I think we think that being a Christian is a passive activity where we no longer have to do anything once we get saved. But the Bible says you're going to have to struggle to defend the hope that you believe. Because if you can't defend the hope and you don't know how to struggle and war to defend the gospel, then someone will talk you right out of the gospel. And before you know it, you will no longer believe what you thought you believed. 
So Paul said, we got to work together as a team, and, and we got to understand, we got to love striving together for the faith of the gospel. I mean, we got to put up a fight. I mean, you, I mean, you can't just walk off the field and the game is still being played. You know, as long as that's clock time on the clock, Herb, we got to still be in the fight. And when we look around, all of us need to be in the fight. Not just onesies and twosies, but the whole team needs to be ready to defend what they believe in. Man, I looked at a lot of football games yesterday, and there were some folks out there doing some serious defending in what they tried to believe in. I mean, you know, in a, in, you know for about a minute and 40 some seconds, I wish Auburn could have defended what they believed in. But, but they, 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 they couldn't defend what they believed in. And as a result, we know what happened. And so what I'm trying to tell you, when you cannot defend what you believe in when it comes to the gospel, guess what? You're going to lose your battle too against the enemy. He's going to talk you out of this word. He's going to talk this gospel out of you. going to make you confused in your own mind that you don't even know what you believe in, who you believe in, why you believe what you And so when I look at that shirt, I ain't thinking about a mountain. I'm thinking about how do we defend this hope that we believe in? How do we defend the word of God? How do we defend Jesus Christ? How do we struggle and labor to make sure that our grandchildren know that Jesus is real? That Jesus is Lord. That he is who he say he is, the son of God. We got to struggle. We got to war against anything. I know this, this is not what most Christians come to the game for, faith. They thought it was going to be, I gave my life to the Lord and everything going to be in the sweet by and by. It's going to be all right. But I dropped by to tell you, it don't work like that. The minute you gave your life to the Lord, the fight started. And if you're going to be in a fight, you might as well fight while you're in the fight. And don't just get beat because you showed up. Amen. Anytime I was a little boy going into the fight, I went in with one mindset that I want to win this fight. I, even though I knew I would, the odds were stacked against me sometimes, Major, I always felt like I'm going to win this fight. And so therefore, we got to understand that as, the, as Christians, we got to be able to defend what we believe in, Brother Wilson. Defend what you believe in. We got to struggle for what we believe in. Look, look at what, what Paul said in verse 27 of chapter 1 of Philippians. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel. Now he's talking about our character. and our, our, Yeah, how we carry ourselves. How we live. He said, you can't defend something that you ain't living. <laughs> you can't come here talking about you're going to defend the gospel when you ain't living the gospel. Your character got to represent what you're trying to defend. Why are you going to try to defend the hope of the gospel when you ain't living the gospel and therefore your defense is not going to work because people are going to know you ain't nothing but a hypocrite. You're just going through the motion. You ain't living nothing you're trying to do. So he said, now look here. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So there's a certain way that I got to carry myself. It don't mean that I can't do anything. Sometimes, you know, the young people think, well, man, if I'm going to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that, I can't have fun. You can have fun, it's just you got to have clean fun. You got to kind of put some regulation on your fun. There's certain fun, a lot of fun that you want to have. Ain't nothing illegal, ain't nothing ungodly about it. But when your conscience convicts you of your fun, it's time for you to say that that ain't fun no more. Amen. Y'all don't want to hear that, do you? Because, because if, if you don't allow your conscience to convict you of your fun sometimes, then the people that you're going to try to share this gospel with going to convict you of your... So he says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am, or am, or am absent... I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. Somebody say one spirit. Stand fast in one spirit. Somebody say one mind. 
with one mind. So with one spirit and with one mind, you're striving together for the faith of the gospel. In other words, we all on one accord. Our mind is on one accord. Stayed on the things of God. We're living in the of this word, striving to be like Jesus. When we're all on one accord, being led by the Holy Spirit of God, and we are fighting together against anything that come against the gospel, we have a good chance of winning the fight. We have a good chance of surviving and continuing on and not leaving the game. You see, this, this time of COVID has caused a lot to stop fighting. A lot of people who were fighting a year and a half or two years ago are no longer fighting and defending the faith. But what we got to do is we got to pray for those people who may have walked away from the faith. Who found out that maybe this church thing ain't for me. And if you got friends and family who've gotten to that point, then that's what time you need to come alongside and we need to be praying. Because we got to be praying and fighting for this gospel. In one spirit, one mind. Praying for the faith. Because if we don't pray for the faith and we don't contend for the faith, then something else is going to get into the hearts of people. Everybody got a heart to worship something. And whether that something is God and Jesus Christ or something else, you're going to worship something. And so it's our job to make sure that the people that we love and know and are concerned about and those who may not know Jesus, we need to be concerned enough to make sure that their heart is focused on Jesus. We just got to saying it's something about. So we got to be united. With one mind, striving together for the faith. And look at that. This verse 28 is powerful. He says, and not in any way terrified by your adversary. In other words, I ain't scared. Whoever that adversary may be, I ain't going to be terrified. I ain't going to be put in a position that I'm so fearful that I don't think that we can overcome this adversary with the Lord on our side. Amen. See, in order to get to that point where you're not terrified by the adversary that come against you, you got to have a stronger force on the inside of you. Amen. Because you got to believe in your heart and mind that the greater one lives in you. So therefore, greater is he that is in you than he that's coming against you in the world. So therefore, if I got the greater one on the inside of me, I'm not going to be terrified by what's coming against me. The pressure on the inside of me is greater than the pressure that's on the outside of me. So the pressure on the outside is not going to destroy what's on the inside. And what's on the inside is going to give me victory over what's coming at me from the... Y'all better hear me today. See, because there's too many Christians walking around and they're terrified by the times that we're living in. Terrified by the news. Terrified by everything that's coming up. And I'm trying to tell you, this is not the time for you to be terrified. This is time for you to be a bold witness for the Lord to let all those people out there who are being terrorized by the condition that we're living in, you need to tell them, hey, God is still God and Jesus is still the Savior of the world. I just drop by to let you know that if you got him, you can end up with some peace in your life. Even if there's turmoil all around you, you can have your reasonable portion of it. Somebody say, I'm not terrified. I'm not terrified. I ain't scared of what the enemy is going to come at me with. I'm not terrified. I already know who wins this game. I already know how it comes out. I already know that the price has been paid. I already know the outcome. So because I know all that, I should not be terror. There are going to be always adversaries to the gospel. But you got to make sure that you don't allow them to terrify you. Because if your children see you get terrified, why should they believe in a God that you can't have faith and, and trust in? When everything comes in your life, you get turned upside down. And now you're trying to be a witness to your own children. Why should I put faith in something that you don't even have? You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to walk away from it. You don't know how to defend it. Why should I serve a God that you can't even 
We owe an answer to our children today because they need to see us living a life where we are not terrified by the circumstances or the situation that we are living in. He said, now look, when we strive together for the gospel, we are not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Now look at this, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you salvation and that from God. He said, now look, when the enemy see you are not afraid of him, he's going to break the code that he on the losing team. And he's heading for destruction. The only reason he keeps fighting you because he thinks he can beat you. The way you carry yourself, Brother Wilson, maybe letting him think, I see a way that I can beat him. So therefore, I'm going to keep fighting him. But when you put up that defense and you know who you believe in and what you believe so strong and you're striving to stay true to what you believe, guess what? The enemy will find somebody. The bully don't go mess with the guy that fight it back. They bully folk who don't know how to fight back. Who don't have a team of people. You know, if you don't know how to fight back at young people, you're at school, if you're online, look here. Get you a bunch of friends that love you and willing to support for you, support you. So that when the bully come, at least y'all can triple team or double team or however many team y'all live. Say, look, we're going to all down this hill together. We're going to whoop this bully. And when you start fighting back, the bully going to go find a softer target. See, so many Christians in the church have become soft targets. Targets of opportunity for the devil. And because of that, he see the terror in them. He know that they are afraid. And so it's easy to fight somebody who's scared of you. Man, I, I remember the dog kingdom. I don't know if any of y'all grew up with dogs, but we always knew the dog with his tail between his legs was about to get the beat down. He was going to get the beat down. The dog with the tail sticking straight up in there, even if he was bluffing, he stand a better chance than the one with his tail between the... And I done seen that play out so many times. The other dog just jump on him and beat him down. Leave all them other dogs alone. So I'm just trying to tell you I'm not going to call you a dog in this analogy, but if you want to be in this analogy, you need to be the bad dog. You need to be big enough and bad enough to defend what you believe so that the other dog leave you up. Adrian, the other dog, I, know, I ain't messing with Adrian. She prayed up. She's ready for battle. She got up this morning ready to go to warfare. She ain't got to get ready. She was waking up ready. And so we got to understand that if we want to live in a way that we are not terrified by the enemy, we got to understand that we got to strive together for the faith and be able to defend what we believe in, what we believe. He says now, perdition means destruction. Those who are on their way to destruction. That's no problem, no problem. He says now, for them it's proof that they're going to be destroyed, but for us it's salvation. And that's from God. Man, every time I stand up to defend the gospel, I just let me know more and more, Brother Melvin, Melvin, I'm going to be saved. I'm on the right team. Sam, I'm on the right team, Sam. I'm going to be saved. I know who wins this thing, Sam. So in the end, I'm going to be saved. In the end, I know that I'm on the right team. In the end, I know I'm going to win. And that gives us confidence when we are striving to present and represent the gospel in the earth. Look at this. He says, verse 29, for it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. See, we want all the glory and honor and all the good stuff that come along with being a Christian, but we don't want the things that come along with the cross. And every now and then, you're going to have to go through some things because of what you believe. Amen. 
and, 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 and that's good suffering. Period. That's good suffering when you're going through because you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's good suffering when we go through because we believe that he is the son of God and we believe in his resurrection that he talks about. That's good suffering. And it's better for us to suffer for doing good than to suffer for doing So you got to believe that if we suffer, he's still going to be with us. And if you're going through and you're on an army, in an army, and you're never, never being attacked by the enemy, never, never, you can't remember the last time you got attacked by the enemy, never, and you're in the army, you engaged in warfare daily, and you ain't never been attacked, ain't nothing ever came against you, never, then it's a good possibility. You're on the wrong team. It's a good possibility. It is a good possibility. Because the devil is smart enough not to fight his... That's right. The devil ain't going to fight his own. So therefore, he's only going to fight the opposition. He's going to be an adversary to those who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And every now and then, we got to be willing to suffer with the Lord just like we want to reign with him. Verse 30, and I'm done. He says, now after you understand this suffering for his sake, he says, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now you hear me. Paul said, look, you remember when I came to Philippi, you saw how I suffered for the gospel. I mean, they beat me down, put me in the center jail. Me and Silas were locked up in stocks, had our hands and feet chained together. And at midnight, we were praying and singing hymns. And y'all saw how God moved and delivered me. So you've seen me up front and struggle for what I believe. Struggle for the gospel. Fight for the gospel. Strive for the gospel. You see me. And now you don't see it, but you hear what I'm going through in Rome. And you know that I've heard, even though I'm in Rome, I'm still in the fight. They got me in lockdown, I'm on death row, but I'm still in the fight. I'm over here in Rome, and look here, I said to them, I will not be ashamed of the gospel, even though I'm in the center of the Roman Empire, the most wicked empire in the world at that time. Somebody that had many gods, I'm right in the midst of all that, and I'm not ashamed. For I am not ashamed. That's what he said in Romans chapter 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And what I dropped by to tell you today is that you got to believe in the gospel and you got to be able to defend what you believe in. You got to be able to strive together for the faith. Because if you don't strive together for the faith, it'll be a sad testimony. That your children don't have the faith that you have. That they have been persuaded by this world. That all they need to do is be spiritual. And everybody can claim I got a little spirituality on the inside of me because God breathed on mankind. But being spiritual and being a follower of Jesus is not the same thing. Every religious organization, whether they evil or good, believe in spiritual things. So therefore, being spiritual is not enough. You got to have Jesus along with the Holy Spirit in order to know that you're on the right team. And so what we need to be able to defend to our young people today and let them know that, hey, look, yes, I understand you want to do you and you want to do that and you want to be spiritual, but why are you getting spirituality? You can't get there apart from Jesus. You got to have him and we got to strive together for this faith of the gospel so that your grandchildren, so that your grandchildren We'll say Jesus is Lord. See, when I listen to people who claim spirituality, they don't 
talk about Jesus like we talk about Jesus. They tell your children that he is just like Muhammad, a Buddha, or any other religious being. So therefore, no matter which one you got, they're all the same. Going up one mountain to where God sits. And they just may be on that trail while you on this trail. Well, I just dropped by to tell you that somewhere between the level that they're at and the top of that mountain is this person called Jesus. And in order to get to the top of the mountain, you got to go. Now here you can have Muhammad, you can have this one, you can have that, you can have all that. But sooner or later, when you level up, and you go to the next level in this mountain, you got to pass through. And that's what our people need to know. They need to know how to defend that truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the comes to the Father by him. And that's tough to say in this time that we live in because now y'all just trying to make it look like Christianity is this exclusive crowd. And I, I ain't trying to make it look exclusive, but look here, let me thank you. And I thank Jamie for this little analogy. You know, I know some people go to concert, they go to games or whatever, and they're always trying to get that backstage, that VIP pass. Because that VIP pass make you feel I can go behind and mingle with the stars. I can, I can hang out. So when it comes to worldly things, we don't mind being exclusive. We don't mind being in that crowd that can go behind the scenes and mingle with the stars. But when it comes to spiritual things, we don't want to have an exclusive way back to God. We want to have all kind of passes. Come in the main gate over here. Come and sit in general admission up here. Sit up there in the nosebleed section. No! When it comes to Jesus, give me the back. Give me the backstage pass. Give me the pass that's gonna allow me to get in exclusively so I can sit at his feet and worship him. I wasn't supposed to be that controversial today, but I figured I'd throw all that in. But since since you know right now I'm striving for the gospel. I ain't trying to get up that mountain now. I'm just trying to convince somebody online that they need to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And in order to do that, we got to work together to defend this gospel. Each and every one of you got to know. Now, you got to know how to defend it without beating folks down, but you still can't be no wimp. You got to have some backbone when you defend the faith that you believe. You got to be ready to suffer for it. Amen. Amen. That's, some people are willing to die for the faith that they believe in. People down all over the world for this faith that they believe in. A martyr. Yeah. That's okay. I'm cool. I'm cool. And so, as I look back at that picture now, I hope you get a better understanding of why those folk love that shirt, but I love what it says, I love striving, but I love striving for the law, for the things of God. I want to love striving to have a clean conscience. I want to strive together in prayer, and I want to strive defending the hope that we believe in. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those of you online, I just ask that you sanctify this moment as we make our appeals. If you're in the house or online and you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, my first appeal is for salvation. For salvation. You're saying, yes, Lord, I want to give my life to, the, to you. I want to accept you as my personal Savior. I've heard a lot about you, but I never acknowledge you for myself. So if you're in the house, please raise your hand. If you're online, I just ask that you please just give us a call, send us an iMessage. Or give us a call at 862-3899, and you can hit extension zero if you're online. Please, 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 don't miss this opportunity to give your life to the Lord. He came, hung, bled, and died so that you will have a way back to the tree of life. 
And we thank him for his sacrifice that was made for each and every one of us. He was worthy of that sacrifice. Now we just need to accept the gift that has been extended. And that is the gift of salvation. Hallelujah. I see no hands. I see no hands. Then my second appeal is this. If you're here uh, online and you're looking for a church home, and the Spirit of God is saying striving for perfection is the place for you, and you want to join this ministry, be a part of this ministry. Amen. 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 And we thank you, God, for allowing someone to say they want to be a part of your family. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do, even in advance, because we know that you are a true and living God, and with you all things are good. And so, Father, I thank you for this one. And God, we're going to get some information from him so we can solidify his agreement. So if anyone else online, anyone else in the house who feel like the Lord is speaking to your heart, saying that you want to be a part of Striving for Perfection Ministries, please raise your hand and just send us a message. Amen. I see no hands. Then my third and final appeal is for prayer time. Our prayer time, if you've got a special concern, I'm not going to have you come up to the altar just yet, but if you do, just please stand up at your seat. If you've got a special concern that you would, if we had the altar open, you'll be at the altar, but if you've got a special concern, just please stand up at your seat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of us who are in the house, I, have, I would ask everybody, this is that time where as we close out our service, we can take part in what we just preached about. We can come alongside one another right now. Even though you may not know the specifics of what everybody is going through, what their concerns are, their, their, their reports are, or even if they got a praise on their heart, all you need to do is get your mind set on prayer right now and asking God to hear and answer their prayer. God already knows our hearts, but at times we have to make known our requests and our petition unto him. And so right now, we want to come in agreement with everyone that's standing, everyone that's online, everyone that's under the sound of my voice, God. We're just going to come in agreement right now as we lift up this prayer. Hallelujah. Father God, in the awesome and magnificent name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for counting us worthy of your son. We thank you, God, for allowing us to be able to intercede for others who may be going through some things in their lives right now, God. You already know. You know each and every one of us. You know what our concerns are, what our cares are. But God, you told us we could cast our cares on you because you care for us. And so right now, God, we come casting our cares on you. We come standing by our brothers and sisters as they cast their cares on you, believing that you will incline your ear down to hear their cry, hear their petition, hear their plea, God, as they speak their heart to you. God, I thank you in advance of what you're going to do in the lives and, mind and the hearts of your people, God, right now, because as you're moving by your spirit, God, minister to their hearts right now, minister to their mind right now, God, minister to their conscience right now, God. If there's anything in them that is not like you, God, and their conscience is speaking to them right now, God, I ask that they get that thing right with you right now, right now, God, so that they can say that they have a clean conscience before you and man that no one can convict them of anything that is not like you. God, I thank you for moving in the hearts and minds of your people. I thank you for moving on those who are on sick beds right now, God. There are many members right now who are going through health challenges, and God, we lift them up to you right now. Whatever that challenge is, God, we lift up all sickness and disease to you right now, God. Whatever that challenge is. There are members who are going through anxiety right now, God. Whatever that thing is that's causing their anxiety, God, and their unrest, God, we come against it in the name of Jesus, Lord. We come as a team united praying for one another and for those who are going through life's challenges, God. We realize that in every life, rain must fall. But God, right now, we just say, help them to weather the storm that they're in. And God, we believe in that as we pray in unison to you, God, for those who may be struggling, those who may be in trying times and troubling times, God, I pray that you hear our prayers and that you answer their prayers, God, as they have lifted up to you. God, I thank you for what you're going to do because I realize that with you, God, all things are possible. There's nothing too hard for you, God. So therefore, God, the things that we ask for is things that you are capable of doing. And God, I thank you for this thing called prayer. And God, I pray that we will be more committed to prayer. It's not going to happen if we don't put forth the effort. It's not going to happen if we don't exert the energy. And God, if we don't have a desire 
to do it, God. And I just pray that you just give some of desire. Everybody may not have it, God, but Abraham didn't need everybody in Sodom and Gomorrah to be, be right to be saved. All he needed was 10 people. And God, I believe in striving, we can find 10 people that's going to step up to the plate and say, when the team need prayer, I'm going to be right there laboring alongside them, striving with them as a team member, not online to be entertained, God, but online to commit myself to praying and believing that God hears my prayer just as well as those who are praying. I thank you for what you're going to do, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.